You're watching Deprograms. This is the New Culture Forum's latest current affairs show, devoted to resisting the forces of ideological conformity, particularly among the young. My name is Harrison Pitt. I'm a senior editor at the European Conservative, and I'm delighted to be joined this week, as ever, by Evan Riggs, who is a freelance journalist, and Andy No, senior editor at the Post Millennial and a New York Times bestselling author. Now, Andy, many of our viewers will have been uh, will be well aware of. Uh, the riots that are erupting in, in France this week. Um, what do you think are the most important details about these, these riots that uh, the mainstream media isn't really telling people? So uh, I've been following the, the riots closely and it's just by coincidence that I happen to be in France just days before the riots broke out on the uh, 27th of June. Um, but I've been going to, to France for a long time. I have family there who, who, who live in, in the, the Bonlieu. And Explain to our viewers what the banlieue is. Banlieue, it, it means suburb, mm -hmm. uh, particularly of, uh, yeah, yeah, it just means suburbs. There some people associate connotations with it, but there, there can be nice banlieues and there can be more rough ones. Yes. Um, the race riots that erupted in, in 2005 were concentrated in the banlieues and, and the ongoing um, race riots that are happening now are also um, in, in some of the banlieues. Um, it's my my book uh, unmasked the the first language is translated to was uh, in French when I went to France in 2021 to to speak and to promote it uh, I was asked if um, France could experience something similar to America in th that America did in 2020 with the mm -hmm. BLM Antifa riots and at that time I, I I said yes you you have basically the same underlying variables um, that caused um, uh, the George Floyd moment, uprising, insurrections, whatever you want to call it, riots. Um, you have those same very similar variables here in France and um, give it time, there will be some moment, some individual uh, who, who will be exploited as a cause for, mm. for violence. And um, that happened on the 27th of June with the death of a police-involved killing of a 17-year-old French-Algerian youth in Nantes, which is a, a, a banlieue uh, in, in the Paris area. And it sparked um, six days of violence, riots, mass looting, um, by far worse than the 2005 race riots. Um, it's starting to tutor out a little bit, um, but this has come at really significant economic costs to France with, um, so there's been 3,000 arrests so far, 45,000 police officers were mobilized by the second night, um, 1,500 damaged or destroyed buildings, um, and uh, these buildings were destroyed through arson attacks and things like schools, police stations, um, grocery stores, um, transport infrastru infrastructure, um, housing, uh, businesses, mass looting. Uh, at least 5,000 vehicles have been set on fire. So a lot of the, the riot videos were posted online by the rioters on Snapchat and Instagram. Triumphantly, and so to speak. Yes, and you could see that it looked really like a war zone mm. because vehicles were overturned on streets and torched 
and um, uh, the police were having to use um, essentially military equipment to, to respond. Mm. So Andy, you said there's the same underlying factors in France which sparked this off as, as America and the, the BLM riots of 2020. What are these factors? It's not the uh, unique sort of American history of, of racial tension, obviously. No, that's a narrative that is exploited in the U.S., but in France, it's the the so primarily that's the same variable is a um, a grievance within uh, a population of the a minority population. Um, so in the U.S., it would be, I guess, uh, Black Americans having um, a long history of grievance against the United States because of slavery and Jim Crow, the legacies of that, and then in um, post all that, then how what they claim are unfair uh, policing in their communities, um, unfair uh, systemic racism in the criminal justice system. So long list of grievances related to race. Um, in France, it's, uh, it's slightly different, but very similar. You have um, about a 10% of the population um, being Muslim, primarily of North, uh, North African, African origin. And uh, most of them are of Algerian background. Um, mm. The history of the, the brutal war for independence um, in Algeria against France, that has been a long sort mm. of grounding um, grievance mythos for um, French Algerian youth today. Um, there are economic disparities, um, higher um, rates of criminality and violent incidents involving this particular demographic means mm. there's more interactions with police. So, you know, you have many, many parallels to the situation in, in the US and the, the shooting death of um, Nahel, um, the teenager, which, which happened during a police stop. So he was um, unlawfully driving this Mercedes. He's 17, you have to be 18 to have a driver's um, permit or license in France. Um, he was pulled over by police and um, he attempted to flee in the car and was shot dead. Um, the officer involved in that has been um, arrested and is detained and mm. uh, will be prosecuted. Um, but that incident was caught on video. So it was, it was similar to how the George, Flo George Floyd's last moments was caught mm. on video and widely shared on social media. And um, uh, there was, was already a long grievance against the French society, French state yes. among this population. And now there's an excuse to go on the streets and rage. Do you think that, um, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, the, the French. Uh -huh. Now, um, do you think that he's likely to become a sort of martyr figure, much like George Floyd was, or do you think that is kind of an American um, tinge to these things, where we tend to create, you know, media stars out of people, even um, to our own detriment? Often, do you think that this is likely to occur in France as well? Uh, he already he was immediately treated as a martyr figure to. Um, uh, the left, um, race agitators, um, left-wing media, left-wing politicians. I mean, it, the immediate response actually from politicians, including Macron, um, was to express condemnation against the police officer, even when 
the facts weren't and, then, and, there's, and there's an investigation underway you shouldn't be prejudicing yeah. a case like that um, but actually in contrast to the US um, the politicians very quickly including Macron came out to condemn the violence and to express support for law enforcement very very quickly uh, in the US mm. the as the riots were ongoing for weeks and weeks and then months uh, support for that rage actually continued mm -hmm. among mainstream Democrats and in left-wing elected officials at the local level. I mean, you had people like the president, vice president Kamala Harris, actually, you know, sponsoring bail funds yeah, for people correct. who'd been um, arrested for precisely this kind of violence. I think it was in where, where, where was that? It was in, in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, mm -hmm. yes, that's, that's right. Um, yeah, one thing I've struggled to find when I've been been looking for it is any you know, demographic breakdown, breakdown of the people being arrested. Uh, I, I, do we have any information on that front or is it the sort of thing which mainstream media outlets tend to be hiding from us in a way? I mean, y y banlieue in, in, in the, the banlieue in France, in, in France it, it, it is associated with sort of ghettoization and an extremely high ethnic minority presence. And so you will find BBC articles where they do point out that these uh, riots are concentrated in these areas, but they'll say, they'll use sort of depersonalized language like uh, you know riots have hit the banlieue as though it's some kind of you know impersonal climactic inflicted upon yeah them, climactic weather event them. yeah rather than coming from them I mean do we have any breakdown ethnic breakdown of the of the people being arrested here so um, we have more information on the extent to which this can really be described as, as a sore of multiculturalism and multiracialism so uh, according to French law the French government does not um, release yeah. uh, as, and as far as I know they don't keep um, racial demographic information mm. of um, like criminal suspects convicts etc that is in stark contrast to the United States mm. um, however um, they do release information such as age and the average age of the riot suspect over mm. uh, the week of rioting has been 17 so this is mm. really being driven by um, youth and I in my own um, descriptions uh, uh, of the riots I call them race riots I think that's fair yes. um, because you look at the videos you see um, it's it's of a particular majority demographic of the rioters are of um, some type of North African heritage mm -hmm. and so North African or African heritage and um, their grievance, um, according to the, what they say, is, is raci racialized. Mm. So I think it's fair to describe them as race riots. Uh, with that said, that doesn't mean there aren't um, white people involved sure. in the riots. There are some. Because um, this was very much the case in the United States during the BLM riots. Was there, I mean, there, there wasn't any obvious, uh, you know, o overwhelming black representation necessarily in those riots. I'm sure there were some black people involved in those BLM Antifa riots, but there were in places like Portland, where, where, you, where you've done a lot of coverage, obviously, you're well renowned for it. Um, a lot of the people who are getting arrested are in fact, you know, white ne'er-do-gooders, ne aren't they? Whereas in France, you get the sense that... The difference is in France, the, the number of the leftist white rioters, at least from what I saw from the videos and photos, they did seem to be rather smaller mm. compared mm. to the, U the U.S. 2020 riots. Um, there were, there are groups um, who describe themselves as anti-fascists, mm. like Marseille Antifa and others who put out calls for direct actions sure. for their members and sympathizers to come out and to join these, this, this moment of revenge against the state. However, um, 
it, it was, in my view, it's like they 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 weren't needed as uh, agitators for violence. The the the, the protests were going to be uh, riotous regardless because the youths were not youths not linked to Antifa were already immediately organizing through Snapchat about where to meet up, where to go, mm -hmm. which areas to gather in. So, um, I mean, Antifa tried their best to exploit, um, but they're just really kind of one small element um, because, yeah, you do have such a large, um, I guess that's 10% of France is, is Muslim, and within that you have a large pool to pull from of young people who have... Um, uh, hatred of the state, um, of French society, of French culture, and the riots are, the people who are supporting it are, it, it, it is kind of a wide coalition of mm. people from the last, but there are also like Islamists and mm. Muslim extremists as well who have shown up, um, and uh, the things they are saying on camera, um, anti-Semitic things, there was a uh, a large memorial to mm, to yeah. the victims of the Holocaust in Nanterre, which is the same the same Bambu where the the shooting of the teen happened. I mean that was vandalized by the protesters. Mm. Um, so yeah, and and that's actually I mean even caused um, representative from from Israel to to to, to uh, condemn that and sure. call for France to to clamp down on anti-Semitic attacks. Mm. So it's not it's not Antifa spurring this on. It's not a uh, violent video games, as Emmanuel <laughs> Macron. Macron said. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, what do you, what do you make of the reaction to the right or of the right? Um, Eric Zemmour has come out. Uh, Marianne Le Pen has come out. The police union from France came out and I think called them like savage hordes. Was the direct translation? What do you think is going to be the, the future of the French right in, re, in, in the aftermath of these, uh, these riots? Um, n no one really has good predictions on where France will go politically after Macron's uh, second term is over. He's, he won't be able to run again mm. in his two-term limit. Um, uh, it was uh, under him that the, the traditional left and right parties that were the primary choices for voters for a very long time, it's collapsed. The Republican, it's the center-right, uh, that party's collapsed, and um, the Socialists uh, on the left has also collapsed. So um, uh, regarding uh, Eric Zemmour, um, the statements that he has now about the riots, which is uh, essentially that this is um, a form of civil war, it's a theme in many of his um, his commentary in his books mm, for yeah. a very long time. Uh, in fact, that was a very central uh, part of his presidential campaign mm. um, last year when he um, talked about how th there's this segment of French society that, that, that hates its country mm. and is um, uh, willing to go to war with, um, with, with what it means to be French. Mm in the state itself. He's, he's one of the more, uh, th I think the hope in, so you're right, it was last year, wasn't it, in 2021, that he, he ran hoping to 
to um, you know steal some of Marine Le Pen's thunder, uh, so to speak. Th and there was a hope that he might be the, the more palatable intel intellectual restrictionist. Um, mm. And also the fact the fact that he has Jewish heritage as well. There was a hope that you know, given the fact that Marine Le Pen's father, Jean Marine Le Pen, had you know uh, I think publicly denied the Holocaust in the early two thousands. Even though lots of Jews in France are understandably anxious about the, the increasing Islamization of their country, as well they might be, um, you know, uh, Marine Le Pen's struggle to appeal to them and to appeal to educated uh, members of the French intelligentsia who, who perhaps read Michel Houellebecq's books, um, in a way that there was a hope that Eric Zemmour could do that. But then I think he 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 stumbled over some of the comments he'd made over um, over Russia Ukraine, didn't he? Um, yeah, which which which, which 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 he he made some very flattering comments about Putin, which all of a sudden meant he was irredeemable in the aftermath of the invasion of Ukraine. Mm. And so I, I wonder whether he'll run again. But there's no doubt that um, Marine Le Pen is definitely and her sort of you know, rebranded Rassemblement National outfit is certainly going to. I mean, they've been edging closer in that second round. They've been edging closer each time, mm. and I think it's only a matter of time before. Um, before she does seriously challenge, uh, well, it won't be Macron or whoever fills the void left by Macron's absence. Yeah, she's not going anywhere. Do she's not going anywhere. Do you think that these riots are likely to influence the politics of kind of uh, some surrounding Schengen nations? I mean, Spain is about to have another general election in three weeks, and I think it would be pretty foolish to think that you know the Spanish right isn't going to just point to Paris and say, "Look at this. Mm. We'll make sure this never happens here." They're already on an upswing. I think it's kind of a it's a bird in the hand for them, essentially. I don't know. I mean, there were years of very frequent mass deadly attacks by jihadists, jihadists who exploited migrant streams into Europe and across different countries, and that it didn't really bring about this huge right-wing populist um, backlash, as many people are anticipating. I mean, there were some parties that did a bit better after in Germany. Uh, capitalize off. Um, They're doing better than ever. Yeah, but it's not like you know they uh, have been able to go into government or anything. Mm. Sweden, I mean, yes, years later now you have um, Sweden Democrats in a coalition government, but it's it, it wasn't like immediately that voters are mm. reacting to deadly violence you see yeah. around them connected to migration. Um, but on this, I mean. The uh, the riots in France did spread um, to at least two other countries, mm -hmm. to a much smaller scale, but it's noteworthy. I mean, in, in Brussels, uh, who um, parts of, um, of Belgium also have um, North African communities with very similar grievances, and um, this was particularly exposed with uh, some of the Paris attacks, the Brussels attacks, how these were cells that were in communication with each other mm -hmm. in cross paths. And the, the people who committed the Paris attacks in 2015, they were chased down to Molenbeek in, in Brussels, weren't they? Or some of them were, at least, I, think, uh, I seem to recall. The or one that, that um, survived, um, he, didn't, he didn't use a suicide vest. He yeah. fled uh, back to the community. He's from Molenbeek. Neighborhood in Brussels mm. that is uh, very heavily um, uh, Muslim, yes. and uh, yeah, there was a big manhunt for him yes. because he was uh, that one person yes. that everyone's looking, all the authorities were looking for, and he just went back to where he grew up. Mm. Yes, and it took weeks to find him. But the, the fact that um, I be, uh, the fact that these in incredibly poorly assimilated, ghettoized mi minorities act as 
so to speak, dry tinder for this wildfire fire of you know, race-based grievance, po grievance politics, it, it underscores one of the, the, co the core um, problems with multiculturalism, uh, which is that multiculturalism only, well, I don't know, uh, diversity, so to speak, um, diversity on, on a, on a you know, grand scale of that kind, it only really works if the ideal of colorblindness makes a claim on everyone and everyone is equally signed up to the you know the Martin Luther King ideal of you know we we care about the content of individuals' characters we don't care about our our own ethnic tribal divisions. One of the things that this reveals and it, the fact that it's spread from France to Belgium where this didn't even happen uh, is that there are asymmetric rates of ethnocentrism between the ancestral population of France and these po poorly assimilated communities. And there's uh, to give one point of contact with how this manifests itself. Only four weeks ago in France, a Syrian asylum seeker went around a local park stabbing children and mothers. Yeah. And the response of the French, the French ancestral population, obviously that was disapproved of, but the disapproval was, was, was moral in a general sense. It wasn't necessarily conceived of by the French as an attack on us as French people, which is why it doesn't cause the, trigger the same kind of um, you know, you know, uh, ethnically fueled reaction in France. So instead of having these kinds of race riots, the French people by and large just had fairly peaceful vigils and this is when children are being stabbed mm. yet when it's a, a, a you know a, a young man who as I understand was actually you know fa fairly serial petty criminal as I understand is that he true? was known to police he's known to police yeah. he's clearly been involved in these sorts of things and now m maybe the officer was unjustified we don't need to get into that but the fact that that which is clearly less morally um, uh, Outrageous than the 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 the, the murder stabbing of a the kid stabbing, a a, stabbing a kid who's not yeah, clearly less morally ambiguous than that. The fact that that the fact that the ch child your you, the children of your own country being uh, being fatally uh, not not fatally stabbed but being maimed in that way triggers less of a French reaction than the killing of a you know uh, a, a minority ne'er do gooder does for people in Belgium. It goes to show that you know. Um, when you have these asymmetric rates of ethnocentrism, you're going to get extremely morally demented results in terms of how people react to you know, given events and given actions. And that that clearly isn't sustainable in places like France and places like Belgium and indeed places like Britain where we also have this ghettoization problem because our politicians have been sleeping at the wheel on this and thinking that you know, all be being British or being French or being Belgian is just a matter of having a passport and, and being, you know, on paper, a French citizen, rather than someone who is truly integrated into the country, uh, you know, truly signed up to its norms, feels an emotional connection to its heritage, and all these sorts of things. Um, and I, I just, I just wonder what we can do in European countries to, um, you know, to uh, address that problem. I mean, I'm joined with two, I'm joined by two immigrants here. I mean, uh, guilty as charged. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to, don't want to rage for too long. But I mean. I mean, what, what do you think that people in Britain, people in France, people in um, Belgian, politicians in Belgium, these kinds of places can do to, to, to address these um, what seem like intractable problems? Well, um, you do point out that there, there's this asymmetric... Um, Ethnocentrism. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's... Well, I mean, whenever if there's some type of perceived injustice uh, against, let's say, uh, someone of... Um, Muslim background in mm. France, I mean, it, it, it can ignite massive rates, riots, and indiscriminate violence and destruction and arson attacks. 
um, when uh, when let's say uh, Jewish uh, elderly people are, are killed, as has happened in in France by uh, a Muslim assailant, <laughs> nobody riots um, after the Paris attacks. The I mean, how how the French society responded was uh, let's. Um, you know, come together <laughs> and and mm. and hold these candlelight vigils. So it's um, I'm not arguing for one for one side for the yes. one side to match the aggression of Indeed. the other. What I'm arguing is that you have this type of disparity. It's and and nothing is done to really. Um, it seems like not nothing is really done to. Mm. Um, counter this type of um, violence, grievance, percept yeah. why does, why way of thinking that's in the mind of um, some of these communities. Yes. Why, do, why does it seem that there's never a, a don't look back and hate sort of uh, movement or moment in the in response to this from, from people of the community and also from the left, ev even from the right, from anywhere. It just doesn't seem to come up at all. It's only when somebody blows a bomb in Manchester exactly. that this kind of uh, rhetoric comes out. Whereas then, you know, if you have mm -hmm. a, a man stabbing kids in strollers, you know, I've seen, who's the guy from, it was like uh, the university here in, in England, or he's like, well, we, we need to understand that these people have been like, Poorly assimilated, yes, yes. and uh, we we can't say this is a terror attack. He was a, to be just like he was a professor at LSE, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, just I, I I simply can't understand the mentality of, of wanting to go on TV and saying that. I mm. mean, even if you thought it, just saying it publicly is bizarre. Um, but it seems that there's there's always a bit of a not only a discrepancy in the ethno narcissism, but a discrepancy in how everybody reacts to these across the board politically. Um, Maybe that could be a potential solution. I mean, obviously, we don't want to raise uh, ethno narcissism no. among the host populations. Exactly, that yes. would go uh, pretty abysmally, to say uh, to say the least. But maybe it should then be, you know, the the case for our politicians and for the community leaders to to kind of foster this response. And and two, I mean, there's pretty harsh hate crime and uh, free speech restrictions, hate crime laws, and free speech restrictions on the continent and in this country. And it seems that mm. if people are going on Snapchat or on TikTok or name your social media platform and, and bringing these, you know, kind of pushing these riots on people, th there should be some accountability there. I mean, I don't know what other potential solution there could possibly be. Yes. What do you think, Andy? Do you think that would be, that would be stepping too far? Or do you think that's basically the only way to kind of preserve the peace? Um, well, I'm. I don't know what potential solutions are, but I think one thing that has to happen is uh, more open discussions about um, these issues. And it, as as has been for a number of years, intellectuals or writers um, or academics who raise um, issues that um, come out of certain minority populations within the state. Uh, that is, is is seen as an idea that cannot be discussed or debated in mainstream society. Um, I mean, for us here, you know, we're beyond that. We, we're talking about this openly. I was just thinking last year there, were, there was a similar incident, I guess, where the, the backgrounds of the victim and the assailant were reversed. Um, 
there was a 14 year old uh, girl in France who who is white, who mm. whose re um, dismembered remains were found in um, a suitcase, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. um, and the uh, the suspected assailant uh, who's apprehended is uh, someone of um, uh, North African background, is an immigrant. I forget from which country, might have been uh, somewhere in North Africa. Um, but th that that was just a. And how it was reported was um, framed as a, it's a, a crime and, and uh, murder story. Mm. Um, and that may be the case. I'm not saying that every incident where the, the race of the victim and assailant are different and says a racial angle. Indeed, but yes. It's just, I mean, it is a norm that there's not, mm, yeah, there's not really any rage in, in wider society when um, I guess they are, are victimized from within. Um, uh, yeah, that's it's, a bit, it's a bit of a bleak picture. I mean, I think even the, um, the French government official, uh, I think you ran one of those uh, values, is it? Yeah. Um, they set a car on fire oh, yes. and drove it into his house. Uh, they broke his wife's leg. They hospitalized one of his children. Uh, he tweeted about it, and then I believe that the tweet has been taken down. I believe he went too far, basically mm. saying, like, I'm not going to give up on France and the Republic. And uh, well, You don't want to inflame tension, do you, at this point? Well, we don't want to look back and hate. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened in uh, yes, Les Laurels, which is another banlieue of, of Paris. And this is actually, it was the mayor of um, his family home. And uh, this happened on the fifth night of the race riots, and uh, this—I mean, this was quite shocking. Even for France, mm. France has lots of politically inspired riots, um, but this one, because it was targeting the family home of a politician, a fire, a car that was set on fire, rammed into his home, it's being investigated as an attempted murder because the children and the wife were asleep there at the time. Uh, the mayor was uh, working in the in the town hall, I mm -hmm. believe. So he wasn't home to protect his family. Mm. Um, yeah, and the wife, uh, and when the wife and the children were fleeing, uh, they were hit, shot out with um, these projective fireworks, which have been excessively used by the rioters yes. to disorient police, injure police, burn people, and also to uh, to st act as sort of like uh, stop. to stop fires as well. Yeah. I, I think. Um, it's one, it's one of the regrets of multiculturalism and diversity in a way that it, it in order to uh, address some of the, 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 more, the less desirable consequences of that dogma, that ideology, the state does need to expand into areas of life where once it would have trusted the, the more homogenous population to, to keep itself to itself. But I do think it is necessary uh, in places like Britain, in places like France, in places like Belgium, for governments to sponsor quite proactive and, and not aggressive necessarily, but certainly very proactive and unambiguous assimilation uh, programs because it, uh, to, to give you, you know, we don't we cannot have a situation in European democracies where the, 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 the demographic balance of the population is such that inflate in, tensions and fr like you know fractious you know, rioting and all that sort of thing can be inflamed at, at, at any given moment because these things are so to speak primed for that and 
it doesn't. It doesn't even necessarily need to be to be racial. I mean, the United States grappled with some of this, at, at, and not to do with the, their black population. Grappled with some of this at the turn of the twentieth century, where you had, um, you know, not necessarily ghettoized, but very clearly geographically demarcated German American communities and, and Irish American communities. And so, when Woodrow Wilson wanted to get, take America into the First World War, for example, in in nineteen sixteen seventeen. He was very nervous because he thought that Irish immigrant populations yeah, would, wouldn't want to fight with the British, and German Americans wouldn't want uh, the, the Americans fighting against you know their own cousins overseas. So these sorts of things can happen, but over time, when there are there, there as long as you stem the flow and you encourage integration and melding and intermarriage rates, uh, now we're at a time where you know it's, it's perfectly conceivable that someone might have German ancestry in the United States. Yet they're not, and there might be there might be that might be a curiosity to them. But it doesn't mean that they're going to see every single political issue in the United States through the lens of their non-negotiable German identity. And we, we need to engineer a situation where that, where that is as true in Britain of people who have some Bangladeshi ancestry or people who have some Pakistani ancestry or North African ancestry in, in France, in Belgium, that's, that sort of yeah, thing. I mean, it's, it's a long project and it's we, one that I don't want to have to embark upon, but it doesn't seem that we have a choice. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this many times. Um, I don't know. My, I, I think that can work for America, even though it's difficult. But I'm, I'm much less optimistic about that working in, uh, in European countries. I think just the culture for it isn't there. It wasn't mm. kind of founded on the on the mythos. It's too old. It's mm. just too old here. Like France has been around forever. Um, it w would be nice. Hey, that I think that would yeah. probably be the most peaceful solution. Yes. Um, we should also probably not forget that the Americans literally put the Japanese in camps True. during the Second World yes, War. Yes, of course. Um, to to yeah. kind of circumvent this problem. Um, though I think you know Japanese Americans would not be likely to to rise up against America now. So True. that's seventy years. Mm. So I mean, if we really kind of fast forward seventy years ahead for for places like Paris, I mean. I don't know if I don't know if Paris is seventy years to kind of peacefully integrate. It's a, it's an absolute mess, yeah. and you know th there's there's no ob obvious uh, you know ready-made solution that 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 suggests itself. Certainly, I mean, um, Brave Heidelmanku, one of our uh, colleagues uh, uh, at the NCF, has a has a very good chapter in a, in our book, Fighting Back, where he t where he talks about some of the the you know uh, proactive, more heavy-handed than might have been expected forty years ago policies that, 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 that are being tried in Denmark in order to fight against ghettoization because so long as you have ghettoization in these sorts of communities it, 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 it's it, uh, integrating people becomes to that extent much more intractable because the, pre the, the, the natural pressures that would, ex would, would be exerted upon people to integrate when they're very self-conscious of themselves as, as, as a minority in a foreign land you know, that's not going to be anywhere near as strong when you're in a part of Bir Bir Birmingham, which might as well resemble, you know, Morocco or Pakistan, um, you, the, the, you, you're going to be you're, you're too enmeshed in your um, in your you know tribal uh, ethnic community in order to feel any necessary loyalty towards Britain. And and, and in, in the case of France, I, there, the, all these videos doing the rounds where you know people who live in these banlieues being asked questions like, "Do you feel French?" and they're pretty openly saying that no, they don't. They they identify more. With their own ancestral heritage, and part part of that's perfectly natural. It's because it's because it's all it's because it's all they know, because it's all they're, it's all they're surrounded by. Yeah, I think I think we should. I brought this up before too, but we should never forget the fact that there are people living in these areas too that genuinely like do not have any sort of resentment um, to the places that they're living in, and, and really do just kind of want to integrate to the best yes. of their ability without losing their 
their culture and their heritage, but be like actual productive members of society. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong immigrant, so I can I can uh, attest to this mentality. Is there a Canadian diaspora in London? Very easily. I haven't met them yet. Um, <laughs> exactly. But if any one of them gets killed, I'm going to be out on the streets. <laughs> um, but. I, I think too we should we should never forget about these people who who really are trying to who who want to be as integrated into France as, as they possibly can be, and who are being kind of terrorized in their own homes and then and yeah. then subjugated into this sort of uh, collectivist mentality with with these you know rioters and, and, and criminals um, kind of against their will and and it's what is being allowed to happen is unfair to to France it's it's unfair to um, the, the the French it's it's unfair to immigrants who are actually trying to assimilate because mm -hmm. that makes it just so much harder for them to do so and you know their neighborhoods are literally being torn apart so I don't know as as much as we we should talk about the host populations I, I always do have a a little bit of empathy left for these people who, who who really are being put in a an impossible situation of their own that yes. I, that I think is often overlooked and I think maybe you know a good solution. Um, a peaceful solution to these problems would be to identify the community leaders in these groups and, mm -hmm. and try to empower them and you know perhaps by using platforms like this yes. or, or, or using you know government interventions of some way to, to, to make this case known and to make them feel kind of protected and uh, promoted yes. from within their own their, in, their own communities. Maybe th I mean I can't I, I genuinely think, can't think of another more peaceful pragmatic solution than yes. that. Yes, I mean, yes, I mean, um, and it's, tr it's true as well, isn't it, that most of in, in, in the BLM Antifa riots in 2020, the primary victims of those riots Absolutely. were people who yeah, lived, as Evan says, like in, or in the case of France, in Britain, America too, people who lived in minority minority neighborhoods. I mean, that's where most of the property damage was, like two billions worth or something, something like that, maybe 1.2 billion worth of property damage done in the 2020 um, BLM Antifa riots. Th 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 those people are the primary victims. Do you think that there's, um, do you agree with Evan that there's room to, to try and re reach out an olive branch, so to speak, to those to those people and, and elevate them while deporting all of the troublemakers? <laughs> um, I mean, it, it feels like it's almost like too late now for um, governments to to work with the the, the better um, community representatives, whatever you want to call them, for so mm -hmm. long. The mistake was, and this was just out of ignorance of the um, the host population, is that um, they didn't know that there some of these community representatives who were elevated and empowered were um, Islamists who very um, strongly have an agenda of inculcating a separatist mm. mentality in the communities that they purport to represent. Yes. So in Britain, this particularly an acute issue with all these organizations, Islamic organizations, Muslim organizations that the government uh, worked with and mm. treated as legitimate voices of Muslims and they were within their own uh, mosques or the preachers that were associated with these organizations were preaching really extremist um, beliefs. Um, and th these are people as well who had, who, in many cases, not only who had an ideological interest in what you call separatism, quite rightly, but also a vested financial interest in separatism because their aplomb and their status and their standing as community representatives would be diminished if, 
you know, the Muslim population of Britain were, so to speak, to become more integrated into the surrounding population so as to become less distinguishable from the host population. All of a sudden, they would lack that, you know, that status and that, you know, uh, that, uh, that street cred in the community um, if integration is successful. So, so it's almost as though they have a, a vested in interest financially as well as ideologically in, you know, m maintaining a certain kind of frosty separatism between communities. Mm -hmm. uh, but sorry, go on. What, what were you going to continue saying before I interrupted so rudely? Um, well, in France, I think uh, the French philosophy of what it means to be a French citizen is 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 race neutral, mm -hmm. intentionally, and um, and and the state has for a long time taken a very uh, strong hand in in particularly. Um, religious assimilation towards laicity, laicity, which is their version of secularism, where the, the state is actually above the church or the, the house of worship. And um, I mean, to the point of where it's uh, where uh, the French state will um, actually remove symbols that have been part of its own history and heritage in order to enforce a sort of yeah. ultra um, neutral, um, a religious space in, in mm. public spaces. Mm. And that's been a huge point of um, uh, grievance for the Islamists in France. They, I mean, they were really radical. A lot of them were really radicalized over um, uh, the banning of uh, religious symbols in, in state schools up to um, essentially high school. Yeah. Uh, the hijab issue. I mean, that that was a big thing that was cited a lot by the jihadists. But um, I mean, it doesn't really matter if like you come out. It seems like it, in the end, the end like so, and then you can have someone, and you have France, for example, let's say banning um, open expressions of religiosity in public spaces, like yes. schools, courthouses, etc. Um, and then you have the other hand, Britain or America, where it's completely embraced as uh, respecting religious freedom and individual choice and rights, but then both are still targeted yes. with. Um, jihadist attacks so um, it, it almost seems like the, the policies can be really radically different in how they choose to integrate um, and uh, the same problems very limited effect. the same problems yeah. results and you know, thank you very much for joining us on Deprogram this week Evan thanks as ever you've been watching Deprogrammed we hope you enjoyed it make sure to like and subscribe and make a comment and we shall see you on the next one hello if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember, to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.